0: Hey, we've got a cracking guest on tonight, we're going to be discussing the family food environment. And, make sure to stay tuned,
1: because we've got one of the most original 60-second CPDs we've ever had on Veterinary Ramblings.
0: You're absolutely right there Mike, so without further ado, let's have on Georgia Woods Lee.
1: Hi, I'm Mike Brampton.
0: And my name is Julian Ho. Welcome to Veterinary Ramblings. Georgia, <laughs> you know all there is to know about nutrition pretty much. Let's put it this way. You know more about nutrition than, I would say, um, Mike does. everyone in practice. And Mike <laughs> and, and me.
2: I might know one or two things. I'll, I'll so, admit that.
0: <laughs> and, and let that be your introduction. Georgia, who knows more about nutrition than Mike and me.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: <laughs> But, but you should, because you are the Royal Canin Nutritionist at the University of Liverpool, are you not?
2: I run the Weight Management Clinic at the University of Liverpool, yes. Um, and I suppose I deal with a lot of nutrition in doing that. And I'm also involved with nutrition within the hospital too. So
0: and you're also one of the co-authors of the new BSAVA Nutrition Manual.
2: Yes, Yeah, the Nutrition Guide um, is available there. And it is ever expanding, so there is more to come from your nutrition diet, Certainly in the pipeline.
1: Is that because it eats lots of carbohydrates?
2: Carbs <laughs> <laughs> aren't it, bad, you know. It's okay.
1: Is it ever 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 expanding? Is it an ever expanding waistline, or is it, or is it just getting thicker and thicker because there's
0: more knowledge?
2: Yes. Something. Yeah. I'm going to okay. go with the more knowledge. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> and that's the same with Mike and myself. We're getting
2: absolutely
0: thicker and thicker. Actually, Mike's getting thinner and thinner. Hmm. I'm still getting thicker and thicker. I haven't. I'm I'm doing at the moment, I'm doing the, the before okay. photos. Yeah. Getting ready for those. So, you know, when eventually I have my, my name in the swimming magazine, I want to make sure the before photos are really, uh, really shocking. Yeah. So still working on those ones.
2: <laughs>
0: so, so how long have you been at the University of Liverpool for?
2: So six and a half years. Um, mm. i I've been there, but um, I've been dealing with weight for probably the last fifteen years as part of my day job. Um, so yeah, it's been a been a long time.
0: And and that's as a registered veterinary
2: nurse. Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay. Mm. So, uh, th- I mean, this this really does beg the question then, Georgia. <laughs> is, is, what got you into it?
2: So the um, nutrition, I think, came about because in, i worked in a big referral hospital and it's all very busy and everybody seems to have the thing that they like doing or that they are, you know, particularly good at. And it became very apparent that nobody really liked speaking to clients, like right? sort of that bit was, oh, I would much rather be in theatre or, um, you know, sort of behind the scenes a little bit. And as a trainee nurse, I sort of found actually, I really enjoyed talking to the clients and I think the nutrition and the weight loss came very quickly on the back of that it was a very natural progression into having those conversations. And then it became really apparent that this was actually something I could do, you know, I didn't necessarily need the vet for that. I could give information and advice on my own. I could um create a plan and get results and I could help. And I and I think it was that's why nutrition and still actually um why it's nutrition for me right. um, so uh, had,
1: you, had you any Sorry. leanings towards that before you went into that area
2: so i think i've always been slightly obsessed with weight okay. <laughs> um as a as a sort of a personal thing um i mean i haven't shared my before and after pictures with you but i have some fairly um, shocking pictures of me back in the day and I think for,
1: for, for the benefit of our listeners, stop trying to look over the top of the screen, Julian For the, for the benefit <laughs> of our listeners um, I, I think it has to be, has to be said that uh, Georgia is probably best described as having a, a slight frame
2: I, I think it's the angle <laughs> It's the angle no, no, I, I knew
0: Georgia well I've seen her many a time and, um, and I would describe her as svelte, as Listen
1: felt and listome. okay yes. fair enough,
2: fair enough. Okay, I, I will take that. so you
1: you have your own you have your own history and your own battles then from that would you be kind enough to share that with us
2: absolutely so this is um so i have two children so it was pre-children actually that um i would have been classed as overweight if i'd mm-hmm. been to the doctors or something like that and then two pregnancies and um, quite a lot of weight gain during that i ended yep. up um, quite a lot bigger than I am now and decided, well, you know, probably should do something about it, but I'm pretty sure that the sort of weight loss things don't work, you know, weight watchers and all that and swimming world and many others, you know, mm. they, they can't work. So I decided to go along to weight watchers just to prove it didn't work. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> and 20 kilos later, I had to kind of admit that, okay, it, it works. And so yeah, I, I, I lost the 20 kilos over 20 about kilos. Yeah, mm, so it's wow. like border collie, something like that. Um, so I, I lost that over about five, six months, something like that. And although I put more back on again uh, with the second pregnancy and had to do it all over again, um, I'm at least net down <laughs> from where I from where I started. But it, it's a constant battle, um, and I think maybe that is why I can empathise with uh, my patients because. I know the struggles personally. It's um, not easy. Um, I have to think about it every single day,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and with it being part of my job as well, I suppose I, I do nothing else other than think about food and um, weight and all that sort of thing. So yeah, it's a, it's a sort of a personal interest as well. I think.
0: Hmm. Wow! It's interesting That's... that you use those those words. Um, constant battle, <laughs> and it, yeah. I, I guess you know i i always say I, I don't have a problem with food i just eat the stuff um but actually you know it, it's it's not true uh, I, I do have to uh watch at some stage how much i eat and what i eat and, uh, and what i drink mm-hmm. and um and it is it is a constant battle it is uh, a feeling that um you see this wonderful load of food and drink around and you think i'm gonna keep on having that but the, the, there has to be some higher trigger, doesn't there, to go in to say, you know, let, let's be sensible about this for whatever future concerns or fears or worries you may have. Um, yeah,
2: absolutely. A- yeah I, mean, I think we're all motivated by different things as well. Um, I was partly motivated to be a good example to my children. You know, mm-hmm. it, it sort of mm. um, makes sense that I didn't want them to have to, you know, struggle and think about this their whole lives, so... So it's being a bit mindful of that, you know, being mindful of health and that kind of thing. And um it it's interestingly not that big a driver though, actually. We all do things we purposely know are bad for our health, um, because it's not immediate enough. You know, it happens yes. too far mm-hmm. down the line. So um that was maybe part of it, but um, and then, really, sort of, very honestly, I suppose it was about looks. It was about confidence. It was about um, you know feeling good in my skin, that sort of thing, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't, you know, we're not immune to that. I think. It, it well, be. I
0: don't think there's anything wrong with that either. Is there? <laughs> um, we we need to feel comfortable, and there are there are people who are uh, obese who feel comfortable with that, mm-hmm. and why not? you know to some extent well it's what to every extent it's their own lives mm. um if 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 they're comfortable fine if you're not comfortable that's an awful feeling isn't it if yeah. you're overweight and you are aware that, that you're not comfortable being overweight then that's horrible
2: yeah it, it is and I and I think it's um very difficult to live with because you know that fixes aren't going to come quickly it's going to take a lot of time it's going to be Prolonged effort, and that seems like a massive thing to sort of undertake. Um, and I know from personal experience, sometimes I'm in a place where I can think about food and be careful, and other times I'm really not, um, and I don't have the sort of the mental strength to be careful with what I'm doing. And you know, I will indulge more often than I probably should, and then think, "Oh, I can't do something about this again," um, and so it goes on
1: do you yeah. do you have a do you have an indicator that tells you you got know, a favorite belt or something like that, <laughs> that that suddenly if it's just a little bit too tight maybe you're gonna have to pay attention to this what what, what, what do you use to,
2: to put yeah
0: on someone who knows it. it oh yeah
2: oh yeah yeah, no question um, my my work scrub top actually i use as a bit of a barometer for what my weight's doing i have to really tug it down and i'm like oh god you know um because that one's quite a, a sort of a fixed thing i suppose yeah. it's not really stretchy so you know, i get a good indication like, oh gosh yeah that do something <laughs>
1: so, so we've all hopefully had a thoroughly enjoyable christmas and we've probably all slightly overindulged. And our scrub tops might not be quite as, or they might be a bit snugger. I've
0: asked Santa for a bigger scrub top. Very good
1: call. Good call, Julian. Well done. Okay. Okay. So our scrub top is a little bit snugger than it perhaps ought to be. So what's your first step there? I mean, I'm, I'm only asking you here because you've lost over 45 pounds, presumably twice now. And I've obviously obviously kept the weight off.
2: Not all of it, I have to say. Um, What what do I do first? I suppose, I think, am I ready? You know, is this the right time for me to be doing this? Have I got something really stressful coming up? Have I got, you know, very busy life in the next sort of two, three months, something like that? Mm -hmm. And if I have, I recognize that that probably isn't the best time to start. I need to be Um, you know, my mind needs to be freer to concentrate on doing it because it does take a lot of concentration. It's every meal, it's every day, it has to be thought about and planned and that sort of thing. And then I suppose, um, because I've tried so many diets at this point, it's more difficult for me because I always find a new approach it works best. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, what else I can try? But I suppose if you've tried something and it's worked before, and it wasn't you know desperate while you were doing it, then do it again. There's no mm-hmm. reason it wouldn't work for a second time. Um, so and I have gone back to things that I've done before and been successful again.
1: Right. So you've got something big happening at the end of January. Don't try and achieve everything on January the first because it's New <laughs> Year, new resolution. Let's jump on this and make it happen. You're saying allow yourself a little bit of latitude acknowledge that you are where you are set out your plan that you're going to do something about it looking forwards acknowledging that you may have difficulty if you're i don't know going on a world tour <laughs> yeah. or whatever starting in january mm. that, that might not mm. be the best time to start doing this um or it might be a bit too stressful or you've got a wedding coming up or a series mm. of birthdays and then start your plan building it and setting it to start once that pressure and once that diversion is over
2: so, yeah okay being being the right being the right headspace i think is is what i would say
0: yeah So i i've always maintained from my own uh battles with 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 weight that the the only way to lose weight is to have a a bit of a lifestyle change mm-hmm that's to, to to lose weight and keep it off. So you can you can go on a, a diet, you can reduce the number of calories you have or um, intermittent fast, as, as Mike and I were discussing earlier, as the uh, sort of, um, more modern term. Um, mm. But actually, if you want to not have those problems with, with, with weight and you want to lose weight and, and keep it off, then there's got to be a bit of a lifestyle change, isn't there?
2: Easy. yeah there there definitely has i mean there's that saying isn't there nothing changes if nothing changes and i think yeah. you know that this is just so true you can't keep doing the same things and expect different results so you have to look at what you can change what you're prepared to change mm-hmm. because it's some you might know what you have to do but are you really able to give up the red wine? i mean you know is it necessary so there's lots of kind of questions i suppose around you know the changes that might be necessary um and so maybe it's evaluating problem areas and looking what you could do in those particular areas and mm. that sort of thing. No drinking Monday to Friday, that sort of thing, you know, <laughs> it's, um, miserable, but it's doable. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I think that it, you certainly do have to, and I think, uh, you know, we haven't really talked much about exercise alongside it, but for me, the exercise is what actually keeps me compliant with the food mm. uh, because Exercise doesn't have a massive effect on weight loss. It has a, uh, quite a small one. It's all in the food. Um, so for me, regularly exercising is about, well, if I'm doing this, I'm putting all this effort in, then I'm going to stick to it. I'm, I don't want to undo all that effort by by cheating on what yeah. okay.
0: and, and actually, the exercise is very good then for your mental health and, yes. the, and your outlook. Uh, mm-hmm. I find that when I'm doing more exercise, I tend to eat healthier. Yeah.
2: If I'm you feel good. Else?
0: Yeah. yeah. Right.
1: So we've got our um, we've had our Christmas binge and Mm. you've set our goal for us. And unfortunately, my big chocolate Labrador also had a good Christmas binge. And I'm going to bring him to you. What's the advice going to be?
2: <laughs> well, there's a lot that goes before the actual advice. So right. the first thing that I need to know is just everything about your you and your chocolate Labrador, your lifestyle, your routines, what is needed and when, what expectations your Labrador has. You know, you know what medical things has your Labrador got going on? And then there isn't any getting away from it. We do need to um a calorie restricted diet of some sort. It's mm-hmm. the only physical way to get weight loss. But how that is, what food we choose, what when it's given, how much is given, that all really depends on you and your Labrador. Um, right.
0: So, Because clients will sometimes say, well, I'll just cut his food down. And is that always the best thing to do or, or not?
2: Well, I mean, I would say if there's lots of sort of treats, scraps, chews, that sort of thing, then yes, definitely cutting back on all those if they've been you know, having pigs in blankets and bits of Turkey and stuff. Well, okay, we need to leave those alone now. Um, but generally just doing that alone probably won't get weight loss. It'll probably just stop further weight gain. Um, so just cutting the food is not something I would recommend because we then can unbalance their diets. Um, really they need a specific diet for weight loss to make sure we're doing it safely. um, because we don't want to harm them in the process.
0: No. I was going to backtrack a little bit because you mentioned pigs in blankets. A lot of our <laughs> listeners are in America and they may not know that actually a, an English tradition <laughs> is to is to have a pig uh, sent to us on, on Christmas Eve, uh, a live pig, and we wrap it in a blanket and we nurture it. And, and if we're good little boys and girls and, and this pig uh, survives the night comfortably, then um, we can send it back to the farm and they give us uh, presents. No.
2: The Christmas pig. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, it
0: no, really? No, Julian, you can't say that. Can't I? No. Am well, I misleading people? Yes. Okay. Please explain. Pigs explain, explain pigs in to blankets. It's our... the sausages wrapped in bacon and they're delicious. If you've never had a sausage wrapped in bacon, then there's one word for you and that's vegetarian. Anyway, yeah. English pigs in blankets. Right. Wonderful things. So they're not going to just be feeding fewer pigs in blankets to their dogs. They're give, going to give a, a balanced diet and ideally a, a calorie restricted one or a, or a reduced calorie diet.
2: Yes. Yeah, they, they absolutely will need to um, because you, you can't get weight loss without sort of offsetting that energy balance. Um, and so reducing calories is the only way. But there are easier ways or hard ways of doing that. Um, yes if you eat less you will lose weight but you know it'll probably be very hard you'll probably be very hungry um, but, but he you know
1: three o'clock every afternoon when I have my pot of tea he has to have his couple of digestive biscuits okay.
0: with his saucer of tea <laughs> absolutely because and it's and tradition, you... isn't it a squirty cream on a Sunday yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah I, i'm sure he i'm sure he loves it is there is there anything else that maybe he could have instead that he would like equally
1: Cheese crackers.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: what about some watermelon or some courgettes oh,
0: oh watermelon now there's a thing isn't it really because dogs aren't really very good at distinguishing between types of food are they
2: know they don't have they can smell but they don't taste so well so yeah it's much more about the act of giving that's important to them rather than what the food actually mm. is so as long as it's palatable from their point of view they're more than happy and um, yes they would prefer your digestive biscuit but if that's all that's on offer a bit bought melon
1: dogs are intelligent aren't they and they understand what we say to them and and you know they're only limited in in responding because they don't have vocal cords like we do um, but they understand every word that we say, which might explain why when when I give poppy tasty morsels of Philip's steak and i say I say to her to savour it, she sort of cocks her head on one side and looks at me confused what and obviously
0: it's the word savour. It must be. It must be. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: can you, so that's it.
0: Dogs dogs don't understand, do they? They really don't. They understand a few keywords. What they understand is they might get a bit of food if they beg and that shouldn't be encouraged anyway.
2: Ideally not, no, I mean... No, know, you... it's,
1: it's, as long as they sit to the table with their napkin on, then it's fine. <laughs> no. if
2: you want to make that rod for your back, then go ahead. Okay,
0: rod? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it probably has a gold knife and fork.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm beginning to wonder if I'm getting this pet parenting right.
0: You're doing perfectly, I think, perfectly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So would you, would you recommend clients get a, uh, a commercial diet or, or make one up themselves
2: i would always recommend a commercial diet mainly because trying to make it yourself at home is just virtually impossible and even if you do follow a recipe you've still no idea whether what you actually give your dog is is complete for them and balanced and giving them everything that they need to be whereas most manufacturers where you buy food for certainly in the uk the rules are so strict on, you know, their, the way that they're manufactured, you know, we can rely on them that they are what they say they are and have in them everything that they need. So, yeah, it would always be a commercial diet from my point of view, except mm. I, there is an exception, except when, you know, sometimes they might have complex medical needs and there isn't a diet, then, you know, home prepared diets can be formulated for them. Um, but it takes a specialist to do that and it should only be done you know, with guidance.
0: And so, and that would be someone like you that they'd approach and say, "My dog can't have X, Y, or Z. Could could you devise a diet for me?" To yeah, to see?
2: yeah, I mean that is something that I do for our patients at Liverpool. Um, outside of that, it would be some sort of board certified nutritionist, veterinary nutritionist that you would need mm-hmm. for that um, mm-hmm. to be certain.
0: But actually, a lot of people are f- worried about. Um, commercial diets, aren't they? they? They believe there's some huge conspiracy um, that, that the dog food manufacturers are <laughs> trying to trying to pull. Uh, I just see them as people who've got a lot of experience in creating diets for dogs. And sure, they're going to make money out of it. Fine, that's what they do. What, what business doesn't make money? Mm. Uh, but actually, in the process, they're giving a product that actually is pretty good most of the time
2: yeah i believe so um certainly that is my experience and also a lot of the major food companies they do, they're not just making pet food they do a lot of research you know it's about feeding pets better it's about caring for them better it, it goes far further than just the commercial you know getting the bags of food out the door kind of thing um which i, which I don't think a lot of the general public kind of realize that they do all that work sort of, sort of behind the scenes and um you know, food there's the sort of the science behind most of the foods now is immense
0: and um, it's huge and in fact, I think almost everything we know about um, uh, urine crystals in dogs <laughs> was uh, has come from the food manufacturers
2: yeah I would imagine so um,
0: most things yeah. we know about diabetes as well so yeah yeah, and, and there are no human food manufacturers on that scale, are there?
2: No, we don't tend to eat in quite in the same way, do we? We we sort of no. we, we like variety a little bit more as humans, and so we sort of cherry pick from all over the place. Um, I suppose the nearest thing to that would be um, maybe some of the specialist paediatric formulas and that sort of thing. Um, baby milks, they're probably produced in a very similar way
1: yeah. um, mm-hmm.
2: with equal amounts of science behind them
1: yeah yes your your tesco your tesco's meal ready meal for two (laughs) probably doesn't have the same nutritional input that uh that a science diet does does it
2: possibly not although the (laughs) testing it would have had to have gone through will still be fairly extensive um Mm -hmm. as far as its nutritional content and that sort of thing yeah um so yeah Mm. yeah do
0: you do you find here's a contentious question hopefully Do, do you find that um uh pet obesity and owner obesity are often closely linked
2: well i suppose it's actually very difficult to tell because human obesity is so prevalent and so is pet obesity so do they go hand in hand probably there are certain elements that cross over um and it, it parallels a lot of what we see in children um with parents and it's called the family food environment and so the pets kind of get included in that family food environment. So if mm-hmm. the sort of, um, culture in that family is, is all around food and treating and, you know, that sort of thing, then that will inevitably get passed to the pet as well. Um, but, but not always, I mean, it, you know, it, it's, it, we, um, have no more owners at our clinic anyway, that, that have overweight or obesity any more than the general population, which is potentially surprising because, mm. you know, where I work, but it, mm. it's not. Um, and like everything, it, it, it's not simple and it's not the only only cause. It is one of them.
0: And, and so what's the problem? Here, here, again, another contentious question. What's the problem with having an overweight dog or cat? They're happy. They're happy with their weight. They, they haven't got the, uh, the social uh, jibes or, or fears um, of, of being laughed at or mocked or or made to feel uh, inadequate walking down the street so why not have a perfectly happy healthy fat labrador
2: Hmm.
0: notice how i say healthy
2: (laughs) yeah well there's probably two things that two Hmm. major things here so firstly your labrador will live probably two years less than if it was a normal, in a normal way, I should say, an an ideal weight. Mm -hmm. And its quality of life will be much poorer. So even though they might appear to be happy enough on the outside, when dogs especially, their disposition is happy, they're pretty much happy with, you know, most things. But inevitably, you know, with obesity, you get inflammation. And so any, you know, systemic inflammation like this, you know, you will get a certain level of suffering along, associated with that, mm. whether it's visible or not, or whether it's, you know, much more um, hidden, I suppose, from a pet owner's point of view. Um, but there will be damage going on, and there there will be things that, um, you know, will be at that dog or cat's detriment because of the yeah. obesity. Yeah.
0: I'm mm-hmm. well, speaking for a moment as someone who does uh, pretty well out of repairing cruciates in, in dogs. <laughs> um,
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: And you know, orthopedic injuries, orthopedic conditions, to my mind, are, are probably the the most noticeable condition uh, in, in in obese animals. I know there are many, many others, but the most mm-hmm. noticeable one, and and the one that that actually here's the secret trick: if, if clients have dogs who are very overweight and have uh, limb problems and arthritis, most of those. Can have a reduced level of medication or even no medication if they just get their pet to lose weight. Yeah. But we vets don't tell them that because we want to do the operations. We're like, no, that's not true. Actually, we do tell them just don't listen. <laughs> How can we get them to listen?
2: How can we get them to listen? Well, it's funny. I was reading an article this week. It was a review article about communication around obesity, which was very interesting because what we, I think, um, and it was describing in the veterinary profession, do is we say, right, you need to do this. You're doing this wrong. Go away and do that. And the problem is with obesity, because there's so much emotional attachment to what's going on in that family house, people feel immediately criticised. And so what they do is they go, I'm not listening to him. He told me my dog was fat and then, you know, I don't like him. I'm not going to see him again. And so they don't. You've alienated them, haven't you? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And so the way to communicate with them is um, much more in an understanding, supportive way using what they want to do, as in their thoughts, their solutions to come to, you know, an end goal that we all want. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it requires a very different approach. You know, I'm guessing mm. with your cruciate surgeries, you know, you can, oh, we're going to have to do this, I'm afraid, you know, and that's, you know, there isn't a whole lot of other choice. But it doesn't kind of work like that with obesity. It's, um, mm. it's very different. Are,
1: yeah. there, are there any particular questions that you... Use to try and crack that because you're, you're trying you're exploring the psychology of the owner aren't you yeah and and whether they're accepting that their animal has got a problem before you even start looking at what we're going to do about that so are there any particular phrases or angles that you take
2: yeah so i mean, my favorite question for for getting all that information is i will say to them how do you feel about your pet's weight your dog your cat
0: Mm -hmm. because
2: in asking them that they can't say yes or no to it so they have to give me a little bit more yep they will either say oh he's got no problem i don't see anything wrong in which case okay we've got a journey to go on here absolutely or they will say i'm actually quite aware yeah we know it's a problem blah 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 he's been limping and you know they then will start associating other problems with it and and suddenly I've got a really good idea of what they think and how they're feeling. Um, and then I can take them from there and say, well, you know, if you dog needs a cruciate surgery or something, what about if we got some weight loss? You know, maybe we could get them off medication and it's we have you have to find their motivation. So if, mm-hmm. you know, better mobility, less money on medication, whatever it is. Um, to motivate them to want to make the changes themselves.
1: So you focus in on that one thing that can motivate the client to, to work yeah. with you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's um, about understanding their priorities. I will quite often come to some sort of agreement with them, you know, as in, you know, OK, what do you want to improve? Well, let's right. work towards that. Yep. Um, and have those sort of goals in mind. When one looks at something, we look at it a certain way. So when we're looking at our dogs, we look at their face, we look at how happy they are. We don't necessarily look at their whole body shape. Mm. And so what we do is we take photos from lots of different angles, and we'll right. show the owner these photos. And oh god, I didn't really realize he looked like that. Mm. Um, because they don't look at them like like we would do. So yeah, photos are and visual things are, are very very motivational. Um. at at the university the um, my consulting room i have lots of you know inspirational pictures you know all my before and after pictures up on the wall and our orthopedic service love using my room (laughs) because they can look (laughs) you know look what you can do look what can be achieved you know um and i probably out of the referrals that come through the hospital um at least half of the internal referrals are through orthopedics and i I see an awful lot of dogs pre and post surgery actually yeah um, yeah I, I, so I, yeah so for those owners you know mobility is going to be their predominant um aim so you know i can say with all surety that we can with weight loss improve um improve mobility
1: it, it, it's strange isn't it because it, it to an owner it can be quite a harsh thing or, or even a human patient um when and the surgeon probably would phrase it in a different way but in effect what the surgeon is saying is I'm not going to waste six hours of my time and my skills and my team's skills and their time and their energy in doing a piece of work that will unravel (laughs) because no matter how skillful we are if you overload that joint or whatever the work is that we're going to do you are literally going to unravel it because it will only, subst- it will only withstand a certain amount of weight yeah. and you're beyond that particular level and I'm not prepared to waste your time, your effort, your money and certainly not my time, my effort and my money um, on, on attempting it.
2: Yeah but- absolutely and I think some of our surgeons do do that now Um certainly with our help they will ask us um, to do short-term weight loss, you know, to try and get them in a much better position for surgery. It's not just
0: the outcome, is it? It's the, the anaesthetic itself that carries yeah. greater risks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's,
2: yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a surgeon, but I believe doing hip replacements and things like that in a dog with overweight or obesity is much, much harder. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, than, absolutely. You know, than a yeah. dog that hasn't. So it, it's for everything, really. But absolutely. Yeah. It's, um,
0: how, how much of a problem is obesity in in, uh, in England in, or in the UK?
2: So the UK has a particularly bad problem. Um, about 65% of dogs, it's estimated, have overweight or obesity. Um, oh, wow. We're one of the worst in the world, um, sadly. Mm-hmm. In America, I think their figures are around 55% for dogs mm-hmm. and cats, um, mm-hmm. and ours are probably similar for cats. So, yeah, over over half for sure, Um
0: killing them with kindness
2: yeah, yeah i'm afraid so um which i think you know is a phrase that you know we've all heard we've all said but i don't think it really lands often um no no but actually
0: sometimes on? the very worst thing you can do is to give that dog another little treat mm. and
2: mm-hmm. because you feel yeah. bad you're probably going to well,
0: getting back to the food itself we, we have um i, I I've lost track of how many dogs and cats we have in this country because it's increased about 10%, isn't it? Due to, uh, uh, to lockdown and things. Um, but we're feeding them an awful lot of, of meat mm-hmm. and we're therefore going on to, to another problem of, are we overproducing meat uh, in, in this country? And does that have effects on, on, on climate change and on the environment? Uh, and so it's got to sort of steer over to, to this, uh, suggestion of, of feeding dogs and cats uh, insect protein.
2: Yeah, I am all up for this. Insects are um, a massively abundant source of protein, which don't have the kind of environmental impact. Well, with, at, at the moment, um, that, that say beef would do um, to produce. I think as humans, we kind of have to be okay with the fact that we, the bug burgers are coming. um and the we The bug are, we, burgers. The bug burgers, bug burgers yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
1: Oh, I, I, I'm sorry, I've not come across that expression. <laughs> a a
0: Lucas lo, a hot dog.
2: Yeah. Bug yeah. Burgers. Dog I like burgers. that. Yeah. So, you know, whether it's us or whether it's dogs and cats, we, you know, more and yeah. more producers are now producing insect based um, foods. I don't know a whole lot about them. There isn't a lot out there yet. It's all very much in its infancy. Um, but yeah, I think we will see an awful lot more in the coming years, definitely. Is it?
0: and i have to say I, I tried um various insects when i was out in uh, in thailand uh, grasshoppers mm-hmm. and um i can't remember now the you know, variety of think mealworms and they were delicious
2: Deep, yeah I, they're, they're perfectly nice. fine i was mm-hmm. eating ant eggs in mexico and um yeah again sort of cricket crispy crickets and things like yeah. this. yeah it was quite normal for them i you know and yeah no problem at all i do not
0: no difference really to, to to eating prawns, is there? No,
2: really. Only that it, yeah, only yeah. that it's not in our culture to do so yet.
0: Mike was was quite keen on on getting a cat and um, giving it a vegan diet. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well,
1: well it's I, to I, save the planet, you see. Yeah,
0: because
1: if we reduce the the, amount of, the, the <laughs> amount of requirement of meat. Um, then that will help with climate change and, and global warming because we reduce that impact caused by meat production. So, really? therefore, the logical thing is to go vegetarian or ultimately to vegan.
2: Yeah, well, your cat might not agree, <laughs> so you have, have to cat... agree. Well,
0: <laughs> it doesn't get a choice, it gets yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, certainly if your cat could tell you, it would not agree. So okay. vegan diets for cats are um, really pushing the limits of what is possible. Um, as an obligate carnivore species, they really cannot do without, without meat in their diet. And even though a lot of the diets um, that are claiming to be vegan, some of them aren't, actually, when you look at the ingredients, which is um, amusing, but also the synthetic versions of things like taurine that they have in there. We don't know that cats can actually use that as a source Mm. of taurine. So just because it's in there doesn't actually mean that it's bioavailable to the cat. Um, And therefore, you know, things could go potentially quite wrong in the future. And the problem with nutrient deficiencies is it doesn't happen quickly. It takes, you know, years often um, for those those problems to become apparent. And by that point, it's too late um so I'd, I'd it's, stay it's, it's not only too
0: late but the the, the connection's lost isn't it well, it can't be the diet because he's been on that for years
2: yeah, yeah. absolutely that non-healing wound mm. doesn't make any sense it's you know related to the diet at that point and yeah it's yeah. um the, mm. yeah mm. the other the other question is is it ethical to feed a cat so in, uh, contrary to its natural needs Um, And I think from a welfare point of view, I would argue potentially that it isn't ethical, therefore, um, to do that for cats. So, yeah, vegan diets for cats are a big problem. Vegetarian diets for dogs, however, that appears to be possible. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly vegetable proteins are used often for dogs, and that would be okay. (laughs) No steak for you tomorrow. (laughs) No,
0: she's having stag beetles.
2: She's...
0: (laughs) Not stag beetles, no. They're they're endangered. There's millipedes. My poor little dog. Little isopoda, isopoda burger. (laughs) I quite like the sound of that.
1: Oh, I I like that expression. The 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 the
0: bug burgers. (laughs) But insect insect meals are coming, aren't they?
2: Yeah, I I think so. I think in the next ten years they'll be far more mainstream. Um, not just for pets, I mean they're they're getting pretty mainstream now for pets anyway, but certainly for humans as well. We, yeah. there will be um, I have to look yeah. out what goes in those ready meals.
1: I'm going to backtrack if I may, um because we've got a guest, Georgia here, who is is a registered veterinary nurse and a leading expert in nutrition, which is why we've been talking about. <clears throat> excuse me, food all evening. But Georgia, what made you want to be a veterinary nurse in the first place?
2: So it was um, a kind of weird combination of things as I think many people's career paths are aren't they? So it was I grew up um, on small holdings so we had a handful of sheep and cows and uh, dogs and cats and and that sort of thing so very much surrounded by um, animals all the time but I was sort of pretty hands-on so I was there you know getting the chickens when it was time for a chicken on Sunday and Mm-hmm. Know, this this sort of thing. And I, I used to really enjoy doing that bit too. And, um, and I suppose I did a very odd combination of um, um, GCSEs and A-levels, mainly because I had no idea what I wanted to do. And so I just did what I wanted, as in the things that I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, and then found myself at a bit of a cross a crossroads, and it, I sort of fell into it. I saw a job advertised um, in the job centre um, for, for a trainee veterinary nurse and thought, oh, that might be quite nice. Um okay. saw also a job working for a mobile phone company, interviewed for both jobs, got both jobs, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and had a right or
2: left situation that I'm I'm so pleased I chose the right one.
0: Okay, <laughs> um, excellent. Are, are you sure you chose the right one? <laughs>
2: yeah, I am, definitely. And I, I I sort of you kind of feel like, well, I, I fell into the right thing, you know, and it is it's always felt like the mm. right thing. Um, and you know, I love it for you know, many different reasons. And I think those reasons have changed over the years as the job's changed and um, different positions that I've worked in and and that sort of thing. Um, Yeah. But yeah.
0: Well, I have to say very quickly, you certainly did choose the the right profession because um, (laughs) you are, uh, you have an impressive uh, number of of letters after your name, um, which one can only get if one is within the right, Profession, I, I would venture to suggest, uh, and you're actually one of only 25 animal, sorry, American veterinary technician specialists in nutrition in the world. Is that right?
2: Yes, that's right. So,
0: so it, wow,
2: absolutely! <laughs> that's
1: the evolution of
0: the profession, isn't it?
1: Yeah,
2: yeah that's it. So, specialising as a veterinary nurse has been few and far between um, until maybe the last. 10-15 years something like that and certainly our new, little nutrition academy um, is very small still um, there are other technician specialisms so there's uh, um, internal medicine and radiography and, and those sorts of uh, specialists but, but, which have a lot more members uh, but yes one of just 25 at the moment and we're hoping for more but small group well at the moment so
0: what, and, do you, what, you do,
1: what are you doing to spread that word and, and encourage more people
2: so I suppose talking about it as often as I can. Um, so you know, just getting out there and um talking to people who want to do more, to nurses in practice who want to learn more. And um I I I teach on the the BSABA Merit Award um, in nutrition, uh, mm-hmm. which is which is wonderful because I get to talk to really motivated people about topics we all love. So yeah, just trying to spread nutrition, but also through everything that vet nurses do, you can run nutrition. It, it comes into every conversation. It can be applied in every with every client at some point. Um, so, yeah, doing, as, doing what I can.
1: <laughs> Would you recommend um, – I, I know nothing about this. So is there a course? Is there a recognised course um, that people can go on? How do they apply? Where do they go? Should they do it or um, not really bother? <laughs>
2: Well, I think if you're, they're interested in nutrition, they definitely should do it. But mm-hmm. it is um, it is a tough course. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not really a course because it's not a taught course. So you have a year of case collection. Um, so you have to collect in excess of 60 cases and write case reports. And um, you have a skills mm-hmm. list and a knowledge list to fulfill. Right. Um, and then if that isn't all bad enough, then you then have to go and sit an excruciating exam. Um, I had to go to America to do my exam. So I did a three-day trip um, mm-hmm. wow. to Arizona and back. Three days? <laughs> yes. Well, So you, wow.
0: you flew yeah. in, slept, did the exam, and yeah. flew back out again.
2: Exactly. Yeah, it was um, pretty crazy.
0: <laughs> that, that's impressive. My, that's dedication for it, my goodness me. Yeah,
2: that's but I, I met some lovely people doing it. We were a little mm. group of five who were all sitting exams at the same time. And it, it becomes a really small but very, you know, tight-knit community. So um it was it was really good actually. And I I've, I've loved doing it. So yeah, I strongly recommend anyone who does it. I think the problem is for a lot of people, you need a big case book. So you need mm-hmm. to work in either a specialist referral center or a teaching hospital, somewhere big where nutrition is um I mean, lots of feeding tubes, this sort of More intense Mm. nutrition um, is used. I think in general practice, it can be a bit more of a challenge.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I guess at the moment we've just spoken about the obesity side of things, getting Mm. getting dogs and cats to lose weight, but nutrition is is more than that. Nutrition drives health. And so you mentioned (laughs) feeding tubes. If we want dogs and cats to get better, or any animal after surgery, we have to feed those cells. We have to feed those repairing cells. And there are huge differences in the amount of of energy and and specific nutrients for a a healthy animal as opposed to an animal that's just undergone surgery, just recovering from a a major illness or is on chemotherapy or or other therapies. And and, um, nutrition plays a key part in maximizing the return to full health and maintaining that full health. Mm. That's often overlooked, isn't it? We we dole out tablets or we, (laughs) we cut a bit off uh, and and um, say, you know, it'll, it'll take a few months to get better, but it'll be fine. And we don't think often enough, actually, we can be really improving the rate of recovery and the extent of recovery by, by giving a more appropriate diet.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's why nutrition is so cool. It's why I love it so much, because the difference that it can make and yeah, all those all those um, patients that need to recover in some way, but not just them, all those other patients with various diseases of some sort, you mentioned cancers and you know, sort of other progressive diseases, you know, we know what the end going to be. It's, you know, it's not great. It's coming. We know that. But um, for instance, with renal disease, we can extend life expectancy with the right diet. Mm. I mean, it is massive. There's nothing else that will do that other than diet. Um, Absolutely.
0: When I first qualified twenty years ago, we, um, we were told with renal failure in cats, well, there's nothing really you can do,
2: mm.
0: nothing. You can do. And then some tablets came out, and well, yeah, maybe.
2: <laughs>
0: and and then there was a dietary change, and suddenly these cats that were diagnosed with kidney failure that we'd say to the owners. Do you want us to put it to sleep now, or do you want to come back in a month? We're saying, well, it's it's. I'm afraid, likely that that within the next four or five years, we could be looking at medication for the final <laughs> yes. year of this cat's life, and and yeah. its food, and what a huge difference that is, been massive.
2: No, absolutely. And you you were mentioning urinary crystals before. I think urinary is another place where. You know, through diet change, you can have an enormous effect. But, I mean, most diseases can be affected by by diet in a positive way. Um, mm. And so, yeah, for, for me, it should be talked about much more, and you know, with every patient and, and that sort of thing, because um, it does make such a difference. But. Mm.
1: Yeah. yeah. We quite often hear stories of um, reversal of type 2 diabetes as well. Yeah, um, certainly in
2: cats um yep. you would hope to send them into remission with correct diet and weight loss mm-hmm. um it's certainly possible not in every case but it, it is yeah. possible yeah. so yeah definitely and, and, and people yes of course and people yeah
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. so okay. amazing thing food i couldn't live without it <laughs> <laughs>
2: i'm gonna
1: get my ipad out for a second
0: yeah no, no, G- georgia i don't know whether you you're aware that we have this um this running theme on better Me rambling of uh uh, of something called sixty seconds CPD, have you yes. come across that. I am that aware. One? Yes, you yeah. are aware. I've
2: been watching and listening. Yeah, I was. I was very impressed with the hummus one the other day. I have to say. Ah, <laughs> From the ferret nurse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was great, wasn't it? Like yeah. the hummus bit. Almost. So, would, would you would you have a little sixty second CPD thing for us?
2: I do. And actually, I hope you don't mind, I kind of took the opportunity to do something slightly different, if that's OK. We so, love okay. different. We love okay. different.
1: What we like is when people <laughs> take on the 60 Second CBD Challenge.
2: That's what we like.
0: So <laughs> if you're
1: prepared to do that, Georgia, we'd
0: be thrilled.
2: OK, so I've written a poem.
0: <laughs> OK. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's not a
2: necessarily poem. a good poem, but I've written a.
0: Poem. As long as it's in iambic pentameter with a Tennysonian type style, I'm, I'm okay with it. That's
1: yeah, kind of <gasps> yeah, or or to a four-five rhythm or something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, okay, <laughs> so so Georgia, um, what what is your sixty-second CPD on?
2: So it is on obesity, and I okay. should maybe just give you a little bit of the background on this because. This want. came about, not just because I was jealous of the um, the hummus one, um, <laughs> <laughs> but also because somebody asked me the other day, I, I was on a panel discussion and they said, what's your take home? And I had about 10 seconds to to give what my take home was. And my take home was that you've got to weigh them, weigh them and weigh them again. Mm-hmm. And so these two things mm-hmm. coupled together, this is what created this poem. And so the poem is called a take home message. Okay.
0: okay. All right.
2: Uh, I might need a drink before we, we go. Oh, I would this. have a drink.
0: You're, you're
1: have, a, have a sip. Have a sip. Okay. And then I'll I'll key you in and I'll get I'll get my clock and we'll, <laughs> we'll start you off. So okay, so so Georgia, 60 second CPD on weigh them and weigh them again, starting now.
2: Obesity in pets is a difficult topic because some don't recognise it or treat it, let alone stop it. Obesity is seriously damaging to health, which is sad, but reduced life expectancy, poor mobility and coats that look drab. This is not just bad life choices. This is a disease. So no laughing, no pointing. Have compassion. and Treat them, please. To make a start, we must recognise that all pet owners are not to blame. We should weigh them and weigh them and weigh them again. So what are the causes of obesity, you might say? Isn't it simply just too much food every day? Are the treats a problem? As a pet owner, how can you say no when the dogs are all drooling at you and the cat's in tow? Well, the genetics, the environment, the breed and the sex will have an effect. So let's get some context. If obesity was simple, we would have found the cure. Instead, we have to watch our high incidence endure. So let's start small. Get the basics right. Speak to your owners. You never know. They just might actually want your help with a the problem they can't hide. Support your owners. Let them know you're on their side. The food you choose must be safe for obesity care. Hey, no stealing the cat's food. Those with obesity must not share. Body conditions score every pet. Treat them all the same. We must help every one of them. So weigh them and weigh them and weigh them again.
0: Wow. Wow. <laughs> oh my goodness me. <laughs> wow. That, that is that is the most amazing thing I've heard.
2: Thank you very much. <laughs> I think
0: probably on Better me ramblings that That's
2: i've I you know, heard
0: some pretty amazing things that's georgia that's amazing <laughs> look I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna go back to publications committee which we're both on <laughs> and and say that we need to immediately uh, get a an anthology of veterinary poetry and you <laughs> yeah. are comprising that anthology
2: oh i'd love to that'd be
0: a. That, that's, that's incredible that's so that
1: so original absolutely yeah. brilliant georgia thank you very much indeed I, that, that wins on so many levels oh, that's yeah.
0: absolutely superb Yeah, i've got a cpd certificate i i reckon we might have some good quality stuff from me georgia I, I must say i think i should have put more effort into my CPD certificate because that was just amazing there there isn't a single poet on my cpd certificate there's there's um there's no no Alexander Pope, no Tennyson, <laughs> nothing. nothing. Um, but what there is is gratitude, at you telling us so many wonderful facts, telling us your, your story so well, Come giving on. advice to owners and that amazing poem. Fantastic. Let's see the certificate. Come on. Here we go. Here we go. And <laughs> I'll you through it. So it's, this is certificate of meaty goodness. This certifies that the gourmandiser of our luncheon board of mental nosh has dieted well off the plate of knowledge.
2: Amazing. So
0: just to, there's a few, there's a few pictures on it. And so we've got good food and bad food in most cases. So here we go. Uh, little light breadsticks, good food.
1: Oh, okay. I thought they were asparagus.
2: I th- <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering about the giraffe's butt, I have to say.
0: Qu- Croissanted fois croissants, bad food but delicious.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Bats, we know bats, bad food. bad food. A nice gamay and some oysters. Oh, it's good food, good food, but in moderation, I'd say. I don't like oysters. Here's a, here's a fat retriever that I operated on, uh, repaired the cruciate ligament, and, and look. <laughs> unfortunately if you're only listening to this you, you won't be able to see the matchstick sized legs compared to this huge body uh, this was a three year old mm. retriever now the picture looks like a 13 year old retriever doesn't it and like a furry a poor, poor little fat dog so I repaired both cruciates and then went on and um, uh, and elbows and then went on and um uh, d- d- um arthrodized one of the wrists and the the owner uh, who was constantly trying to diet her dog got got nowhere and sadly i feel it was my fault i was i could have done more could have done more to uh, to get her to, to lose weight anyway here we go there's an insect at the bottom here this is a rhinoceros beetle and we may we'll be having those on our toast <laughs> in a few years time and you alluded to this earlier there's a giraffe's bottom. Is that giraffe fat or what? That is a fat giraffe. Look, I'm going to.
2: Yeah, I would, but... I would, I would say it has a little excess tissue going on there.
0: There is just
2: wrinkles
0: yeah. of fat on that giraffe, and that I was appalled. I saw this giraffe at a zoo. I won't say the name of the zoo. I don't want to name and shame. But you know, you know who you are. Look at this. You know, you know that giraffe's part You are feeding that giraffe too much. Okay, Look, poor nutritionally. Uh, uh, available acacia leaves. Great. Fine. Do that. I suspect this is getting Timothy Hay. <laughs> yeah. That's a fat giraffe. That's, yeah. it's, it's
1: probably, perhaps that's the zoo that does a um, meet and greet for the guests. and uh, They do indeed. Go along and, they and, they and feed, feed the animal Absolutely. and uh, oh, yeah. get yeah. The, the chance to hand feed the giraffe.
0: Give it some Weezer bigs
1: yeah (laughs) well so so you're handing over to me to say if you've enjoyed what you've heard tonight then uh don't forget to subscribe click like tell your friends about us and uh if you've got any subjects or topics you want us to cover um i'm sure you know us well enough by now to know that we're quite happy to take on any any particular subject then get in touch with us and uh we'll listen to what you have to say and do our best to accommodate you so uh, no that's brilliant so All it really remains for me to say is, Georgia, thank you very, very much for joining us.
0: Thank you so much. Georgia, Poet Laureate of the Veterinary
2: World. (laughs) Oh, thank you. And thank you very much for having me. The
0: the Educational
1: Poet Laureate of the Veterinary World. (laughs) Absolutely. I'll I'll raise a glass to you, although it's my ceramic mug tonight. Georgia, may your dog go with you. (laughs) May your dog go with you. Cheers.
2: Cheers.
0: Next week on Veterinary Ramblings, we are joined by a former BVNA president, the wonderful Wendy Nevins.
1: Join us as we learn more about her and what makes her tick. See you next week. Bye. Bye.